0: Oh, <music>
1: Happy heresies and welcome to Aum Bite. Welcome to the desert of the real. I am Miguel Connor, your pompatus of gnosis, your madman across the waters of creation. And as you could probably see by now, this is a special show by the intro and so forth. And usually with a special show, we have a double header, and that is indeed what we'll be having. Today, why don't we deal with them dark archons and their modern manifestations, the propaganda they use, the psyops, the suppression of human individuality, their vampire powers on the human race. Yes, this is, uh, never, there, there always should be focus on the Archons and what they're doing to us today, especially with their Karens and Catamites in the Establishment. And obviously, sometimes it does feel like uh, a black pill. Their powers are overwhelming. It seems almost hopeless. It's uh, an endless labyrinth or octopus of iniquity from this wickedness in high places. But the show will also provide plenty of white pills so you can overcome the Archons and flow into the Aeons and find your higher self. For this Aeonic task, first we will have an interview with filmmaker and artist Sean Stone. He'll be discussing his electric but intense new documentary series, Best Kept Secret. Very intense and I really enjoyed it. But again, with all the darkness, with all the black pills, there's plenty of white pills in Sean's message. Very inspirational at times. Following that, we will have an interview with my friend and past guest, Adrian Smith, on his book, A Prison for the Mind. The book parallels Sean's documentary series very well, and Adrian will take us down into Hades and upwards into the Pleroma. So I think you'll really find a lot of value in this double header, if you would. And the archons certainly struck with both interviews with Sean. there were scheduling archons there were tech archons they were constructing his house archons and you can hear it a little bit in the in our interview and with Adrian, there were archons specifically with my tech. I uh, upgraded to Windows Eleven. I really like it, but for some reason. Getting my mic to work was almost, was very hard. But again, with Adrian and also Vance in the interview, we overcame. I hope you like this little background I've got. Again, as I say, variety is the spice of gnosis. And I will continue bringing you that hermetic and Gnostic content in varied and different forms. For your benefit and yes, Hopefully to, uh, <laughs> fool them dar archons because they're always present, but so is our divine light and Sophia. So I won't talk too much more. Let us do the interview. First, we will have, or I will show you the trailer to Sean's documentary series. And then we'll just go right with Sean. And then we will go with Adrian. Keep in mind that it will be, uh, Adrian's interview will be full for all subscribers. So please support the show as you should support, 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 as you should support Adrian and Sean's work. And beyond being very important, we must help those independent content creators that are making a difference today. So let us to the interview and let's get some red pills. Or as I like to say, let's put up some red pill suppositories. You have all the money in the world you need. You have all the power you need. What's the point? You now, what's the end goal? You said the end goal is to control the world. These people out here who believe in this worldwide sat- Satanist conspiracy, okay. fools and priests, I spit upon your fire.
0: I became a pawn in a government scheme. His ultimate goal was mind control, and to create the perfect spy. Oh, you're talking about erasing people's
2: memories. The parents believe the boy is alive and has Just been kidnapped. Just six now.
0: years old when she died. dies. Have people calling from all over the country telling me about so the ceremony? It all of
3: a sudden, becomes a satanic panic. Breaking news: governments are corrupt. They lie to their people, steal from their people, and occasionally kill them. A new world order for ourselves and for future generations. The Oliver Stone, George Bush connection, Oliver Stone.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, he's their spokesman.
3: While I doubt my father worked for the CIA, as a Vietnam veteran, my father saw a deeper state behind the scenes. And that's where I want to go.
2: A politician has to be very concerned with where their donations are coming from. Spreads out like a spider web to Washington, D.C., involves some... Most respected and powerful
0: and richest businessmen in this United States of America. It was unbelievable what we had. Clinton, we had everything. What we had was unreal. Procuring young girls for sex trafficking.
4: There was no indication to
0: me. It's over a $34 billion industry worldwide. I was sold into a murderous pedophile network. Right around my 6th birthday. There were a number of aristocrats that were part of this club. There are 200,000 children that end up in the sex trade every year. So it's the fastest growing criminal industry in the world. Kinder.
3: A lot of things that I witnessed. Secrets that you wish you didn't have to or want to. Hail Satan!
1: If
2: you don't get this right now, I swear to Elizabeth! Man, these cats speak with forked tongue. Then you can see the lie written all over it. And this This is extremely extremely dangerous to our
0: democracy. It is not crazy to assess news events to see if they're real or not real. And in fact, it's kind of crazy not to.
3: So what we see around us is actually an illusion.
0: We're only looking at the tiniest sliver of what actually
3: exists. We've been hoodwinked.
0: The greatest forms of human control is the suppression of the sense of the possible.
3: As Americans, we tend to believe this about other governments, but rarely, if ever, our own.
0: But you were staying at the house of a
3: convicted sex
0: offender.
2: It was a convenient place to stay.
0: happen because we didn't know that there was another reality we could experience.
1: Welcome, everybody. We have the pleasure of being joined by Sean Stone, and we're going to discuss his excellent documentary series, Best Kept Secret. Sean, thank you very much for coming on the show. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Pleasure is all mine. So, uh briefly tell us uh what uh tell us about the documentary and how it came about.
3: Well, it's just it was a culmination, I would say, of years of doing programs uh, like my Buzzsaw interview program, um my watching the Hawks uh, on RT interviews there with uh, people like Nick Bryant and Conchita Sarnoff regarding like human trafficking and uh Franklin scandal, um, MP Ultra stories like this, and then um, on Buzzsaw, saw, you know, again we had interviews with so many interesting people over the years, like uh, my gosh, countless. But David Icke and Daniel Estulin and um, so many, so many more. It's like I even I forget like how how many great uh, characters we have in our in our documentary, great interviews. So overall, we basically took what had been done, added some new interviews with Kathy O'Brien and. G Edward Griffin and uh, um, people like this and basically give an overall perspective to what I consider as you know the great conspiracy of, of our reality which is who controls your reality who controls who's manipulating your mind um, who's basically uh, feeding upon your energy you know ultimately your energy but it starts on the level of physical slavery, mental slavery um, debt slavery, right? Financial slavery. So all these systems that are in place and then coming to understand the culmination of it is a fundamental matrix of energy feeding, <laughs> energy drainage.
1: And uh, yeah, it's uh it's an incredible, uh, journey. I, I love the series, the six part series and it makes sense. I mean, people, I was thinking the other day, people want to say, well, what's this conspiracy stuff? And I know, I think it was James Corbett who said, uh, A conspiracy is just history plus time. There's never, the official narrative is never the truth. There's always so much going on there. And there are perfect examples like, uh, you know, people said, oh, well, this stuff about trafficking in high places. Well, Jeffrey Epstein is kind of the martyr for the conspiracy theory world he showed us that this stuff is going on in very high places very powerful people women and girls are being trafficked same with the ufos people said oh ufo people are all kooky this and that oh the government is now starting to admit the truth so do you feel the same way that you know you're going to be in some way vindicated but at least you're sort of shedding a light like this is not the, the official narrative is never right
3: well, I've known that since I was seven years old <laughs> with uh, JFK, uh, the film JFK. You know, uh, that mm-hmm. really was one of the first conspiracy theory films. Uh, not, I guess not so much. the. You know, it goes back to the. You could say like the 70s. They started opening up with like, I mean, there was a conspiracy, obviously, around the Watergate. Now, whether or not, you know, I think the Watergate story is much deeper and more intricate than just what the public believes as far as uh, even you know, Bernstein, you know, Woodward, especially his relationships to naval intelligence and who Deep Throat really was. And, you know, the idea that basically there was this coup that took place against Nixon, who obviously was an imperfect person, but in many ways, kind of like a Trump, uh, I would say more of a Trump character, more of a, ultimately more of a nationalist than a lot of these globalists that were, you know, that we're now confronting. So I think that what we're seeing is, uh, you know, again, conspiracies are ideas. You know, they're basically an intention to, you know, you could say to 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 commit a crime, but fundamentally, it's about um, directing and influencing events, right? And ideas are the most powerful ways of doing means of doing this. So, when I studied my New World Order, uh, which you know, my for my thesis, which became my book New World Order, I was studying the New World Order as, as an idea that began with the end of the British Empire and was very much about consolidation of government into this, you know, again, what we call world government, right, into these structures that are transnational, um, empowering multinational corporations, empowering um, supranational organizations like, you know, be it the WHO or the United Nations or the World Bank or the IMF or any of these, these, you know, these structures that essentially are, you know, are designed to take the impetus, take the power, just as the British Empire had done away from the citizen at the at the most basic level of what the united states guarantees to its people right that the power basically is vested with you the people and you you give the government its rights and this whole world new world order is the exact opposite no we the superstructure give you the citizen the rights we tell you what to do we tell you what to put into your body we tell you you know how you must go to school and educate yourself and what you must read and how you must learn and what you must believe and all these right and all these agendas that we see now at at work and i think this is why it's so interesting to be alive at this time as you know that as you said we're being vindicated by not just us but the the people that came before us the ones who were you know basically since you know since the days of originally the original new world order you know coming into like the 30s and 40s and the one, one world government they were saying look at this thing this is this is one world government you know even republicans like the tafts and others you know who are opposed to the league of league of nations or the un under the idea of hey don't Seed your power so far from home you know don't empower these bodies you know and again there's arguments that to say like yes there's positive com- components to what the un ideologically could be but as far as the abuses that we've seen as far as the organizational uh, corruption that we've seen within the un i mean you, you know you can't excuse how 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 nefarious uh it has it has it has been and again there are good people i think within it there are good people that have you know tried to do things with it but overall it's like it's it's a, it's taking it, it, it's it's power corrupts and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. So you can, you know, the more you take this power into a few hands and away from the, you know, away from the, the, the common person, away from the community, away from uh, local, lo- the local level, the easier it is to corrupt it.
1: Oh, yeah. And uh, I don't see that as any sort of conspiracy. I mean, if you study history from the ancient times, as soon as we had civilization, We needed slavery we needed control go back to the priest and the king who would come with these scams to keep all the sacrificial meat to themselves i mean this is just logical those in power want more power and they want more control so this is just human nature and a reaction to civilization wouldn't you say it's nothing woo woo (laughs) if i was in power of course I would of, do these things.
3: <laughs> well, we say human nature, I would say it's not it's it's not that it's human nature. I think this is what's so interesting. It's reptilian brain nature. Mm-hmm. And I think we're coming to really understand this more and more, like this this notion of the reptilian brain and how much this is what drives the the psychopathic behaviors. This is what drives the trauma-based and trauma, you know, basically the, the trauma-based behavior that's about controlling. Its environment and controlling others and con- trying to control as much as possible because it's all rooted in fear. You know, I don't, it's scarcity. And our all, all, most of our modalities of economics are what? They're scarcity models. You know, we name mm-hmm. it from diamonds and oil and gold to, uh, you know, the minerals, lithium, all, all these things that we're using with, uh, you know, these rare earth minerals. All, it's all based in scarcity. And yet human nature is loving, I believe. I believe human nature to be what that of the child, right? And most children mm-hmm. are they're curious, they're open, they're, they're loving, um, they're discerning, but they like, they're more heart-based. So I believe human nature is heart-based, but what happens is that what, what, well, I believe sociopaths essentially have created systems of indoctrination, you know, beginning with the school systems and, uh, you know, again, just getting, getting the kid away, you know, away, away from, um, like a healthy communal, uh, Conception of a home life, you know, which again, not our home. A lot of our home lives are traumatized. You know, most we've seen it throughout history. The men have served in military, oftentimes gone to wars, been traumatized, turn around, traumatize their children. You know, uh, mothers or women are sexually abused, or, or you, know, you name it, either at a young age or at some point in their lives, oftentimes traumatized in their own ways, um, emotionally and sexually, and then. Take it on the children. So you end up with parents traumatizing, you know, traumatized parents traumatizing their kids, communities, essentially schools and things like this traumatizing the children into obedience training, (laughs) essentially, which is what it is. You know, you must be here at this time. If you're late, you get reprimanded. If you if you don't, you know, if you don't get a good grade, you are reprimanded all these things. It's like psychologically traumatizing children. So that's not heart based. So I think we're very far from human nature at this point.
1: Uh, Well said. Best thing I ever do was uh, homeschool my kids. And as Pink Floyd sang in Welcome to the Machine, what did you dream? It's all right. We told you what to dream. I think that's the whole idea. And I love your series is so intense and it's just this labyrinth of iniquity and power controls from all these groups. But as you said, you dedicate this to the children. You want children more than anything to be free. And of course, as I've said You know, in ancient times, I'm sorry, but in so many cultures, they sacrificed children because I believe they were closer to the source. They were closer to the great consciousness, Moloch, and it worked to create these empires. And of course, that's not going to change whether you think Moloch is an egregore, an archetype, a real god, a marketing symbol. This stuff works. And so it makes sense. This stuff works today. And as you say, the children are the one who are vastly being hurt in this world. Yes. Um,
3: so, what was the question?
1: The question is: Oh, it was kind of a, it was kind of like <laughs> a. Yeah, exactly. You go on a tangent. That it's great that your 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 thesis or your theme is we need to do more to protect the children. There are huge. You see it in the newspaper. There's huge networks of child abuse, child traffic thing, and it's going right now as we speak.
3: Well, and those are extremes. You know, my emphasis is always: look, those are extreme cases. But look at the basic level of how we treat the, our children, you know, just in in, mm. in in daily life, right? And as I just mentioned, you know, the way that parents traumatize their children because the parent themselves is traumatized at some level, right? And it's living with expectations of this is how you're supposed to behave. This is what you must do. Don't feel just, you know, be in your head. Um, go to school and, and just, you know, So so... Basically, I don't have to, don't have to take the time to deal with homeschooling, right? Or, or be it, uh, you name, it, you know, all these fears that essentially are driving parents to to how they and how they interact with their children, interface with their children. From my experience, it was a lot of. Um, I was always curious at how parents couldn't realize that it's like what the natives talk about with seven generations, right? So it's like seven generations back, seven generations forward. So with a child you're basically, you want to tune in to like, what are your dreams? What are you seeing? You know, I love when I hear about parents who, right, re- like who realize how tapped in their children are and they honor that, you know, as opposed to the, you know, the idea of like parents saying, oh, you're having a, an invisible friend, you know, get over that, grow up, right? <laughs> That's yeah. your imagination. You can't do that. All these things that are told, you know, just to, to, to dilute and to kill the imaginative dreamer inside the child, because oftentimes it provokes the parent you know there are a lot of, i think a lot of parents can be um triggered by the innocence the purity the love of a child it's like no that's that's that that's not possible we're in a matrix you have to conform you know focus on the money focus focus on career focus on this and and so they dilute this this energy um or they prey upon it right i mean a lot of a lot of parents and again it's 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 not just sexual it's a lot of it's just there's energetic feeding there's mm-hmm. emotional zest. there's all kinds of things that go on so what's interesting is that these reflect it's all it's all reflected in different manners so like yes we are growing an awareness of child abuse and trafficking but child abuse and trafficking doesn't just happen out there it doesn't just happen at the the mafia level at the elite level you know it's like it's happening in Every town in every you know in every city, it's like how do we actually relate to the children? Do we see them as the future and honor their visions, knowing that their visions is, are what gonna are, are what they're gonna have to follow when we're gone, right? Mm-hmm. If we can have that love for the children, then I think it will change the dynamic. And if you know how we connect to children is how we relate to our inner child, fundamentally. Really? It's all what it's about. You know, it's all what yeah. Life really,
1: what's that? Uh... Yeah, like you said, uh, their goal is to take the human out of the natural world, make them thoughtless slaves, that's it, complete control, and I wanted to uh, share with you this, this screen here. Oh, uh, where is it? And let me know your thoughts because, uh, you always want to know how do these people become psychopaths? What did I, look, for example, one of your guests is Mark Passio. And I love his ideas of they found a way to become God and the power and the addiction. So this, that's what he calls satanic. And, uh, there's this quote by Philip K. Dick. And let me know your thoughts on this. Um, there is it right here. It goes, they want, this is from Men in the High Castle from his book and the series. They want to be the agents, not the victims of history. They identify with God's power and believe they are godlike. That is their basic madness. They are overcome by some archetype. Their egos have expanded psychotically so that they cannot tell where they begin and the Godhead leaves off. It is not hubris, not pride. It is the inflation of the ego to its ultimate confusion. I'm sorry, ultimate confusion between him who worships and that which is worship. Man has not eaten. God, God has eaten man. What do you think about that quote? Well, it reminds me of a lot of um,
3: people in power, celebrities. Um, You know, I have, I have have some experience with being around people that are celebrated, you know, worship is famous. And it's very interesting because how do you you know? How do you separate yourself from that kind of worship? And it's also, it's uh, on upon us. I mean, let's be honest. It's it's a lot of humans that have that have surrendered their power to these you know to these stars, right? Mm-hmm. Get a political star, you know, whatever. You know, even it's even a doctor, you know, even a scientist. It's like you know, it's it's how amazing. I even mean, la- you know, even when they were you know it, the celebrities were fawning over Fauci, right? I mean, it's like all this notion of just how much people. Are in awe of someone. And it's like, I, would just, I don't know. I've never had that experience. I mean, because I've, I've met so many since I was a child, and I just always see the human. And, and I'm just like, how can you, how can people be so like gaga and like starry? It's just like, this is not a star on, you know, this is not a star from the heaven. Actually, the irony is that each of us is our star seeds. We are the stars from the heaven on earth, but we don't look at ourselves with that, with that awe and appreciation. As a result, we're looking out there for like, wow, you know, it's celebrity sighting, <laughs> right? Um, we, you know, these people that have gone, that have the, that have surrendered their energy to these systems, these structures, like they are literally worshipping that um, that that ego, that, that monster that is ego, right? And it's like, you know, the modern forms of Moloch and Belial and Baal and all those, you know, demons of the old time, right? It's like, they're just mm-hmm. here now. In the new forms you know politicians and doctor and celebrity and all these things right it's like you know rock stars rap stars you know take my energy here you know here give let me i used to say it like you know you're going to a rock concert and you're just like all that energy is pouring out to the to you know to the to the artist, right yeah. and you know it's just like it's a mass feeding ground if you think about it for you know energetic levels it's a lot of you know mass feeding can go on and uh, then you end up with situations like people being killed at the the, the, the what was it, the Scott concert a couple like last year, and the, mm-hmm. it was like uh, I heard that the the World. the World, Like I heard that one of the ladies organizing it was like the, the woman that was like managing Britney's uh, Britney Spears's. Uh, uh, remember when she was
1: under what are they? What is that word? Um,
3: I can't remember. Yeah, I who.
1: forgot she's under uh, what's yeah, there's a legal term. She's not right. in control of her finances and all that. Exactly,
3: exactly. Uh a custodianship, I think, right? Like a custodianship. Yeah, right. And I'm like, well that's that's basically the way they want all of us to be. Um is mm. is such that you know we don't have uh sovereignty over our our being, you know, the, the I am that we are. We just they want us to be like in total um you know sl- that that slavery. Uh, don't you know, we don't know the laws. We're operating on maritime systems law. We, you know, we don't on the land. We're just, you know, we're, rent, we're paying rent. We're paying taxes. We're just basically all. Um, yeah, we're just beholden to this to this uh, this monster. And that's the way that they again, they feed on it. Again, it's reptilian brain. It's ego. And there's a but there's a healthy side to ego. Mm-hmm. You know, the healthy side of ego is what each of us has when we say, hey, I am the star. You know, I am the star on Earth. Right. That's you know, that's me acknowledging um the the quality of you know of my soul and wanting to basically bring more light and love to the planet. Like that's you know, that's we're we're all expressions of an ego in the sense of I am, my you know, my being, my body, my soul. Um, you know, as long as it's not about feeding upon others, like that's the I would say that's the dark side of the ego, right? It's like feeding upon others as opposed to the natural way the natural order is reciprocity it's exchange right it's yin yang it's like give and take so there's light in the dark and there's dark and the light and we understand it nothing is perfect right it gets messy but there's a natural order and cycles things and if we're exchanging properly we would have a much better system than we have now which is a lot of you know just think about like the model that we talked about like all this energy feeding well how do we know that's what's happening Because a few a handful of people have as much wealth as the as like half of the planet. One percent, you know, less than one percent of the of America has more wealth than the entire middle class of America. That's how you know that what we're saying energetically is happening because everything manifests is reflected right in the physical realm. Mm-hmm. So it's like it happens energetically; it's going to manifest physically. All this energy feeding has literally depleted the economy of the working class. Now the middle class. And if America's middle class is depleted like this, what does that tell you about the rest of the book?
1: Yeah, it's it's, it's pretty grim. Uh, yeah, and it's amazing. You did grow up in Hollywood. Obviously, your father was always, again, sort of the kind of individual looking at the edges, trying to raise the veil. Uh, do you have, were you always, was your red pilling sort of gradual? Was there ever a time? I mean, you talk about going to Tibet and when you were 12 jfk or uh was there ever a one instance where you said oh my god like for example me i was always into conspiracy but i think when i read harold quigley's tragedy and hope that's when i went oh my god it's uh, this is really happening at the highest level like a giant because this is a scholar who breaks it down and you're like this is worse than i could have ever imagined how about you
3: yeah, no, Quigley's book was helpful for my book, for my New World Order thesis mm-hmm. work. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean it wasn't it wasn't so much about a red pill. I mean, I was seven when I s you know, when I was part of JFK mm-hmm. and it became aware cognizant, I would say, you know, it's like because they say like seven A is the age of reason. So it's interesting mm-hmm. how um I was was I six, seven. I guess no, I was six, and then I just turned seven when I watched the film. So it was like six to seven kind of thing. Um but yeah, basically, it was it was about 30, no, it was seven, to eight. So it's like the age of reason was hitting, and it was like the age of reason was realizing in a way that because before then I'd been in just a lot of dreamscapes. You know, it's like when you're young, when you're really mm. you know, you're under seven years old, like life feels just like, like a lot of dreamscapes, right? You don't really have a mm. continuity so much to life. It's like <laughs> little sparkles of awareness, and for the most part, it's it's you know, it's the you know, getting accustomed to this world, right? And to like the weird, you know, the patterns of living where, wherein I was uh, between school or off on a movie set somewhere and mm-hmm. you know, hanging out with friends, uh, all the, you know, all these different, different aspects of life that I was getting familiar with. So I wasn't thinking too much about larger power structures. I was aware of war at that point. I you know I had already been on film film sets like Platoon and Born on the Fourth of July and I was a little bit cognizant of you know basic things about American history right this idea of America as a country as a free country and certain conceptions of a of of what we were but I didn't have too much of a of a political perspective until JFK and then it was like wow this this man who's supposed to be the most powerful man in the world according to the most media uh, was was killed. But it was clearly a conspiracy. So what does that tell you about where where real power lies? And mm. this was right after, by the way, the Iraq War One, where I just remember being just aware, cognizant of this, this march to war and this sort of absurd narrative about like, we got to stop Saddam. And, you know, I kind of bought into it at the time, but I wasn't, I need to say I wasn't like con- convinced about the nature of what we were doing as a country at that point, because my dad is a Vietnam veteran and he was opposed, basically he's, he was instinctively opposed to the war. So I would say for me, it was almost just this awareness, like my awareness of politics and and, and bigger geopolitics was coupled with an overall conspiracy perspective of powers behind the scenes, not buying the media, not just listening to it. And then that all got blasted by my fit. When I was like 15, I'm like starting to read about the CIA's history of coup d'etats and interfering yeah. with other, you know, with other countries. And then you get the Kosovo war and it was just like a, such a media war and all this hype. And then going to Serbia right afterward and actually like getting a totally different perspective on the war and seeing the lies and the hypocrisy and, and just learning how we were manipulated. I never went back. Thankfully, a lot of people, you know they they went from hey the media lied to me about iraq to trusting the media you know when it comes to COVID. so you know a lot of people just they, they don't get it but i think for me it was just like an overall trajectory of expansion of okay let me try to figure this out let me try to understand history geopolitics let me try to connect a lot of dots and even on the spiritual domain you know the the dots that relate to the things that ike talks about but when you study history as i did you understand. It's not like I invented this stuff. <laughs> you know, I mean, no. there's literally um, there's a great book, people talk about reptilians, I was like, Oh, this all this crazy stuff. Like what, read a book called Um I think it's called Space Age Indians. And uh do you know what I'm talking about? It's like this lady, no. six, six killer, uh something. She's like she's cool, she's a Native American author and she interviews all these Native Americans about their their experiences with na- with reptilian beings in abduction experiences. Not just reptilian, other other beings. No, and, right experiences and interactions so again it's like it's just it's so sad to me when people try to um, limit worldviews based on these ad hominems in a way or like you know these straw men that they create so it's like oh you, you believe in that you must be cra- you know you must be you know crazy or you're a David Ike guy I'm like you believe in the Bible they talk about demons what if those demons are reptilians I mean just mm-hmm. because the language may be different and the culture may be different the archons the archons described by the Gnostics are reptilians mm-hmm. so it's not like I just invented this stuff so again I, I try to I try to connect the dots on a lot of things that I've been aware of and researching since I was young and just try to again, create a holistic perspective of what's actually going on here and as I said if you can if you under if you can basically perceive the physical realm as a reflection with the spiritual realm basically mm-hmm. reflect each other you can understand pretty well how this is all energy, energy feeding matrix, because just look at the economic schemes and look at the, you know, look at the corruption, you know, when it comes to power and politics and, uh, and, and multinational corporations, you know, gobbling up the planet when it comes to everything from nature to, to, uh, you know, to resources to, to wealth. And it's like, okay, well, then think about that now as a, as a spiritual thing. Mm-hmm. So right now the the power is in the hands of the dark side, but. We as humans are always connected to God. We always have spirit working through us. So fundamentally, I'm optimistic that this is all a test, a stress test, and an opportunity for for us to empower, to actually light up, because it's only when it gets dark and, and, and intense enough that that star can be born
1: really well said yeah sometimes i wish uh david Ike hadn't backed off his stuff on the lizard people because i think that was like you said from a metaphysical stance it's uh truer and uh, you're in your chapter six deal it's called the archons and you you talk to again ike john lamb lash all these other people and obviously in this show we think uh the Archons are the really the, the truest Bond villain, these mechanistic soulless beings who feed upon us, who, who need to control every aspect of the simulation to keep us asleep, to feed upon us, literally, and this manifests as above, so below in the material world. I think this is the best model than, you know, demons and other things, and it is a spiritual battle, you would agree too, right? so what's so interesting about the archon concept
3: and this and this is my insight into it i believe that since the dawn basically since the dawn of creation if we imagine the dawn of creation as a love story it's not just it's it's the goddess basically it's like goddess has worn the mask of Mm -hmm. she's hidden herself behind masks for a long time and so it's it's that Sophionic power that's right to talk about the gnostics it's like right. but she herself is not alone in creation i don't you know again so it's like there's i see it like emanations right there's like different mm. expressions of creation since the origin source which is probably non-sexual but if we talk about like the dawn of creation it's this love story i would say almost between the goddess and and adam mm-hmm. <laughs> and if we think about it then so like the, there's, uh, there's a, a jealous factor, which is I call a shadow. Like I wrote a, mm. a, an Audible book that's called Desiderata. Mm. And it's basically about this story of two lovers who basically their, their, their love ha- creates, a sh- when, they, when they're together, they're, they create a shadow and the shadow is jealous of their love. Mm. And the shadow basically sends them into a world which is like ours. And he is forever pursuing her. And she basically appears to him as a mother As the mother, his mother in one lifetime, as, you know, as, as a a spurned love, you know, a a lover who spurns him as, uh, you know, again, like a heartbreaking relationship, all these different stories, like visions of, of, of a model on a billboard, like all these different visions of her, the one, right. And it's like, we think about love, like this cosmic love story, um, basically like God loving creation, which is Adam. And I'm thinking, what if God is goddess loving Adam? And Lucifer, in the Islamic rendition, basically was jealous of, you know, why would you create this being? You know, it's not perfect. It's not perfect. Why do you love him? So, but if you think about like, okay, so what if this, this, this actual force that's at work, Luciferic force, we call it, is like an AI, an artificial intelligence that very much is about trying to uh, replicate creation, trying to understand creation, right? But it's outside creation in a way. Um uh, it's it's what would it use? It would use reptilian snake because snakes are great at absorbing information. They're kind of like uh like copying machines in a way, right? It's like they just they just uh. intestines, right? Like crocodiles and snakes are just like long intestines. And they just swallow uh. and absorb the information as they that they absorb so you know so i'm thinking like well what if like the ai is is the fundamental force that's using the reptilians reptilian energy or reptilian as like as a model for for processing this information trying to replicate this reality and i think this is where we come to at this time period is this um this moment where we basically are seeing the ai manifesting physically that is ancient and its nature mm-hmm. has always been here has always been like sort of monitoring Testing, abducting, trying to figure out what is what is human life, and it's not that it's like an you could say like it's it's a it's a countervailing force mm-hmm. I don't you know, it's like evil it could be it could be construed as evil, depending obviously because if it's manipulating it depends if it's manipulating free will and all this, but fundamentally it's a force that's trying to understand creation and can't because it's not of creation it doesn't have the god spark mm-hmm. in it right. And so I think that what's happening now is that we're at this time when we are seeing a lot of the technology being used to open doors to lower dimensional frequencies. Like a lot of the the lower vibrational energies are being moved through places like uh, probably like CERN and other uh, portals that can be opened up. Even people are essentially portals, right? Because we're stars, we emit light. So we can also essentially be, uh, we can be vulnerable to To bringing things in, I think a lot of the the reason why we're seeing like so much demonic expression, right, manifestation, is that yeah, truly the demonic realm, all hell is here, all heaven is, everything is here because this great ascension time period, and I think various lower vibrational beings are trying to hitch a ride with the ascension, and or if they can't raise, if they can't rise with the ascension they'll be splitting off dimensionally into this metaverse. So there has to be basically these windows or portals or something that basically gives them an out an out for where to go as Earth comes into this ascension time period.
1: Oh, that's well said and very Gnostic indeed. I mean it reminds me of the the movie Dark City, where these aliens are trying to understand humans because they know we are higher than the gods, as the Gnostics said, or even the Islamic Druze have this mythology where the wisdom of God comes out of her tower, but yet yeah, she casts a shadow and that shadow tries to kidnap her into the world. You find that in Kabbalah. So you find that in all religions. This is a. Yes, all the kidnapping. Right? Isn't it Demeter yeah. or you know, Persephone and her mother's
3: Demeter, right? Persephone grows right. for six years. She's kidnapped. It's like the, the ascension of ISIS. I mean, all these things about the fall, you know, basically descending into the underworld, but what if Earth is the underworld?
1: Exactly, like uh, Shakespeare said, "Hell is closed and all the devils are here," (laughs) which I'm sure you can relate. And well, really inspiring words. But again, I would definitely advise people to watch your documentary. It's got the whole thing, but it's very grim. A lot, Uh, so people might be saying, "My God, Sean, this is an octopus." Speaking of not even retit, this is a tentacles that go here. Power brokers, governments, old families. Uh, It's How do you how what's your advice on how to stay positive or how to help stop this octopus that never seems to end? All powerful
3: octopus. Well that's the point. I mean, that's why it ends with the, the human heart. And to me, that's this is our this is our greatest weapon. We have heart. We have heart, they don't. And the heart, as we know, is that's what powers us, that's what gives us the energy to prevail, the, the love to, to actually, you know, to care about others, to actually do this. This human spirit is in our heart. And that's what the all the mind games of these empires can never can never control. That's why the empires always fail, because they don't have heart. Mm-hmm. And this earth is heart. You know, it's, it's, it's a heart-based planet. It's not about the mind. The mind is the moon. Just, you know, it's wandering out there. <laughs> As have said, for too long you know, the yeah, earth has been yeah. the mind. Which means that we've been feeding the mind. We're we the get, food of the moon. You're right. Very well. So. Yeah. So until we actually get get our hearts in possession of our hearts, connected to our hearts, then the moon will be obeying the heart again, which is the way it was it's supposed to be. So right now, I'd say uh, I I do an art of success workshop that's online. People, it's it's perennial. People can buy it and do it. I really believe. I've always said, you know, you are the revolution. We have to awaken to our soul's purpose, our heart's truth. Um, owning our success, owning our innate worth, taking the power back. That's the only way we're going to win. We can't win in a matrix. It's like going, it's like, it's like trying to win in a court structure where (laughs) essentially, again, it's like, it's all controlled by, again, uh, uh, lawyers who are self-regulating who ultimately, as I always said, you know, the the lawyers always make out, the lawyers always win, right? They're the ones that really, really win. It's like the whole system is designed to drain you. Because it's not your money in the first place what does it say Federal Reserve note right so it's like okay so what do you do with it who are you empowering with it where are you you know what are you where are you investing it where are you sharing it what are you doing with it like that's what matters our energy is what matters we got to get hold of this we have to get hold of where we exchange who we exchange with what we're creating because we have the potential with all these humans that are awakening or awake not woke but awake to say okay let's Let's gather, let's 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 become intentional here. Let's let's create our alternative systems. That's the future.
1: Well said. I would definitely advise. We can't vote our way out of it. We can't use the same consciousness that got us into those troubles, paraphrasing Einstein. So yeah, we need transformation. So and I'm very glad your work is uh, doing that, awakening people and telling people there are other choices and unveiling the man behind the curtain in the Wizard of Oz. So I, of course, tell the audience, go watch Best Kept Secret right now. It's a great documentary, and it'll take you on a journey for, to help the children. But where can people find out more about you, Sean?
3: I think seanstone.info, my website. Uh, that's the best place. Is that links to my documentaries, uh, a few, you know, multiple of them. It's got links to the Out uh, of Success. It's got, uh, I got one-on-one private consult sessions I offer. Um, yeah, all kinds of stuff. My Dizit uh, Audible book is there. So I think it's just, it's a great
1: resource. Awesome. Well, uh, I'm glad you're doing what you're doing. And I really appreciate you coming on AM Biden. Uh, good luck with uh, the rest of your projects. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Welcome, everybody, in our continued discussion on Archons and the tragic state of our modern world. Uh, We just did, you guys just saw our interview with Sean Stone on his excellent documentary, Best Kept Secret. And now to discuss some of it, and also to discuss another book that parallels very much the work of uh, Sean and so much of other guests of Aum Bite. The book is... A Prison for Your Mind, written by our guest today, Adrian Smith. Adrian, thanks for coming back on the show.
2: And thanks very much for inviting me. I'm looking forward to this very much. A lot has happened since we were last on an interview and much to catch up on.
1: Yes, yes, it was... (laughs) It was spring of 2020, and we just we had a good conversation on your book. But the world has definitely changed, and obviously, we have talked a lot in our Finding Hermes group and other places. So uh, we're no strangers to the evolving world that uh, has happened to us. And with us too, we've got the Moon Vance. Vance, how are you doing on your side of the galaxy? Oh, not too bad.
4: My mind's on parole, so. I'm uh, out for the day. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Serious, uh, serious stuff. The, um, the uh, documentary. So it should be an interesting, interesting discussion.
1: Yeah. I mean, as I spoke to Sean, it's uh, obviously part of his many interviews that he's done throughout the year. So there's a, a cadre of guests talking about, uh, basically what we might call conspiracy theory, but I think it's becoming more just general history. And he put it together sort of, uh, you know, in a, <clears throat> a greatest hits of all the works he's done with all these gre- guests from David I to Aquino to so many others. And the topics are relevant and includes many of the topics that are happening today. But it's very a, a very metaphysical documentary too. It offers spiritual solutions, uh, what is going on in the metaphysical realms and all that good stuff. And uh, as much as uh, it's dark, uh, Sean gave us some positive outlook on how to do uh, on how to deal with uh, this octopus that we're dealing with, especially when we try to understand that wickedness in high places. But Adrian, what did you think of the documentary and what are your thoughts on the whole thing?
2: I really liked the documentary and I, um, I congratulate him for his courage on tackling a very difficult subject. Um, there's a lot I liked about it. I took a few notes. I liked professor Kaku, his concept of the multiverse. That's very much uh, in line with things that I've written about that uh, we only know a tiny sliver of what exists. And therefore, we have to be a little humble and keep a lot of things on the table as to actually what's going on. Um, A fundamentalist would dismiss a lot of things out of hand, but a Gnostic would keep it on the table for for future consideration. Um, A lot of the things that he speaks about, mind control... Other governments are just as corrupt as ours. Well, that's really up my alley too. (laughs) (laughs) And MKUltra, I do talk about MKUltra in the book. Uh, That's actually, uh, there's no controversy here. MKUltra is well known in Canada because a psychiatrist in Montreal back in the 50s and 60s, uh, they were actually employed by the CIA to do experiments on unwitting Patients, So they come in for treatment for depression or whatever, and they were subjected to electroconvulsive shock therapy and drug therapy, psychedelic drugs, and with an, a, attempting to wipe their memories clean. Uh, that's a very basic part of brainwashing is wipe the slate clean so they can write on it anything they want. So these people were actually compensated for damages. A lot of them went home and they didn't recognize their families and so on. And uh, there was another one, Best Kept Secret. That was about Epstein. So a um, a lot of things that used to be controversial, used to be in the shadows are suddenly coming out and the mask is starting to fall off and they're becoming much more explicit. So we know what Epstein was all about and we know who he was photographed with, some very famous people. We know what he was doing, he was compromising them so that they could be, you know, have a file on people to uh, make sure that they comply with whatever orders come from above. Uh, the New World Order. I like the part where it, they, it was, they were discussing uh, Rockefeller's memoirs. Um, that's something I actually allude to in the book also. Uh, this is where uh, Rockefeller described a conspiracy theory that he and his family were involved in creating a world government. And then he says, if it's a conspiracy theory, then I admit to it freely guilty as charged. (laughs) (laughs) So, so they're coming out of the closet everywhere. I mean, this isn't even controversial, you know, Uh, we know, What they do, and I want to go into this a little more, is that they actually announce ahead of time what they're doing. Not on the evening news, I might add, but in books or uh, it can be revealed in a documentary. They tell you ahead of time what they're going to do. But the brainwashing of television and mass media is so, so huge that they can tell you what they're doing and nobody listens. Because if it doesn't show up on the tube, it's like the tube is the Bible. And if it's not in the Bible, it doesn't exist. So that I uh, related to that very much. Uh, the idea that America is being destroyed. Um, I think they've given up on America, actually. They're ready to cut it loose. Um, and I think they're going to cut every nation loose, the whole concept of nationhood is is being uh, undermined and uh, rejected in favor of a global governance system and finally the one on the archons yeah he interviews a, Ju- a zulu shaman mm-hmm. um that was very interesting then he goes into the reptilians and shape-shifting uh, haven't done a lot of research myself on the on the more difficult to accept things like babies being sacrificed for blood. And uh, uh, however, there are some fairly persuasive people, they seem very credible. So I kind of put that under the heading for further research. I haven't had any direct experience of it or done much research on that. Um, I tend to stick I have this little internal cross examiner. So <laughs> whenever I uh, deal with something, I have to think, what's it going to look like in court? You know, what's it going to sound like in court? So um, I'm open to it. I'm open to the research and to further inquiry. There's a lot, of, like, as a lawyer goes with various levels of proof, you start out with, um, reasonable cause to suspect, which is the level of proof required by a police officer to make an arrest, or on a balance of probabilities, which is another level of proof in a civil action. And then finally, you have beyond a reasonable doubt, uh, which is the highest level of proof, except for one more, which is called res ipsa loquitur, which is the facts speak for themselves, where a judge would say, well, you don't have to prove it; it's obvious. So I, I actually try to have tried to stick to res ipsa loquitur in, in the book, and I think where you where you could quote someone like Rockefeller saying what he says, it requires no further elaboration. And I'll be referring to another quote which is very explosive and very similar, which kind of explodes or cracks open a lot of things. So there's lots of things that. Uh, can be clearly demonstrated. Uh, and a few things where you can go there if you want to, but maybe you don't have to, because we've already got en- enough on them to begin <laughs> with. We, we don't have to go quite that far. But that's, uh, so that, that was great. I really enjoyed that uh, documentary. There was one thing the lady said, drinking blood to have, have access to our abilities. And I thought that was very significant that that is in fact what the the uh, the secret gospel of John alludes to that and the parasitic nature of the archons is that they need us for something, but whether that that blood has anything to do with it, that's something that I would need to research further before I signed off on it you know
1: no, thank you for that. And yes, uh being skeptical is so important. I'm always questioning everything. Question my sanity. I put all the possibilities all the possibilities there and I think the problem we have today is people assume that just because you've got a good argument, all the other all the other ones are invalid and it's not like that. It can be this is the best argument, but that does not invalidate the second best argument or right. the third but and you simply keep them and as data comes in, you change things around. It's not this one and for all attitude today that that's false mm-hmm. and that's true. You, I, yeah, that, but, it's yeah. the way historians have argued for mm-hmm. centuries. But like you said, our the modern psyche has been destroyed. And like you said, with the media, they say two plus two equals five. And that's it. It's dogma. So and Rockefeller could say, you know, what he can say in these elite or call them elite establishment have said what their intentions are in books like uh, tragedy and hope and other books and people still think that the governments love us that corporations care about its employees that you know big religions really care about the souls of their people blah 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 when it's obvious we are just their chattel we are their their resource their human resource like they call them in companies but I guess people want to hold on to some, I guess, fantasy, but, uh, well, Vance, what did you think of the movie? What are some of your, uh, takes? Well, um, the production
4: was very well done and, um, you know, I liked all the uh, different media he assembled, uh, to make the points. Somebody said something or there's a concept going, you know, he had uh, plenty of footage to cover it. Um. A lot of times, I didn't think there was, um, except for the things like MK Ultra and the Rockefeller and the things that I think that have had, you know, pretty much Epstein. Um, you know, th- these are things that are well known, and you know, come f- already come from a number of sources. As far as the case about children and the abductions and the Satanism and all that, um, I think. There is something to it, but how much there is to it, I'm not sure. But um, a lot of people don't want to even believe it's possible. You know, in fact, that's the whole, that's true of the whole, con, quote unquote, conspiracy um, field in general. Because people don't want to believe they will live in a world where this can happen. But I ask them, well how is it that it's not possible that it's happening? How could, could you, okay, supposing the world is set up so that it can't possibly happen. How, how is that? I mean, we know that criminals do all sorts of horrible things. Why not people at the upper echelons and cover them up? They, you know, criminals always try to cover up their, their trails and people have all sorts of beliefs. So really, I think it's just a matter of degree. Uh, it's not a matter of whether or not this kind of stuff happens. It's a matter uh, of who and how often. Um, the, uh, the, the politicians, obviously, you know, th- there's always blackmail going on. I mean, anybody who's watched The Godfather, you know, they have the judge in the pocket and all that. <laughs> I think he alluded to that. Uh, he, he had something like that in there, but, or s- similar movie. Uh, but, um the problem is, we don't have like if you sit in your house and you look at what you really know, you know what you've really witnessed by yourself. It's pales in comparison to what's in the media. We depend totally on TV and the internet and so forth and so on. Um, uh, even Sean, I mean, I noticed that he uh, used to work for the uh, Russia Today who is uh, Soviet mm-hmm. funded. So how much of that he, he says in the beginning that, you know, media is like magic, right? You know, it's like uh, the, 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 uh, uh, the magic is to get people to believe, you know, based on sleight of hand and so forth. Well, you could apply that to some of what, you know, is going on in the documentary itself. I mean, um, clearly he wants us to believe certain things, but I noticed that there wasn't for the child and, and how could there be, you know, um, there's no information that's been released to the public. And, and Sean hasn't been investigating this directly. None of us have. So, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of up in the air. Uh, one thing I, I thought uh, the Zulu shaman was interesting because the story he was telling—I don't know if that's uh, traditional Zulu or or if it's been corrupted by you know him being in the United States or whatever. Don't don't know the background, but uh, it was pretty much just like the Christian idea of you know the uh, Satan falling from heaven, right? Mm-hmm. The, he's, yeah. From what he was saying. So if that's true, I didn't have time to go look it up. That's very interesting. That if a separate, independent. You know, culture are on a completely different continent evolved differently has the same thing. But, you know, Archons, you know, the, the last seg- segment was uh, kind of interesting because it was, uh, you know, he, uh, directly talked about the Gnostics and, and the Archons and, and the feeding um, and so forth, which does tie into the blood and the babies and all that stuff. Rosemary's Baby was kind of a big tell. <laughs> That's, I think, one of the things in The Exorcist, Rosemary's Baby. Those are mm-hmm. things that I went to see when they first came out. And um, that really, when you inject an idea into culture like that, becomes very powerful. So, you know, I'll tell you, if it was possible for the baby's blood and the embryos and all that stuff to make them younger, they would do it. Absolutely. If, you know, it would take a lot of money, it wouldn't be open to everybody. So it's the feasibility, you know, it's there whether or not, I doubt if they're all doing it, but um, I mean, look, why is Henry Kissinger still alive <laughs> <laughs> or Keith Richards?
1: <laughs> oh Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
4: but uh that that's uh in general, I thought it was um I thought it was an eye opening thing It makes you think it's good from the standpoint that it makes you think and you know tries to get people to consider that these things may be going on, but what are we gonna do about it that's, all these people with all the power and all their manipulation in the media Oh, the one lady said that she had all this story on Epstein, and they wouldn't let her do it because mm. they uh they covered the it up. Back. Yep. The, the, that's the kind of stuff I like to see in a documentary, you know, where it's really really um I believe her, you know. I, I don't think she, I don't think she uh it sounds exactly. Uh, we have other instances of that too, covered up stories. Hey, the UFO thing. Look at that. How many years did we go where the government was poo pooing in swamp yeah. castles, and this and that? And now they sound like the National Enquirer, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> or Weekly World News, <laughs> and the footage is just as bad. They've got, the government's got to have better footage than they're putting out. I think what they're doing is some damage control. Um, too many things gotten out, and they decided they they've got to be uh, you know take a more realistic stance. But the problem is we can't trust the sources of information. That we are and that is what imprisons our mind right Adrian that, that's yes. yeah I mean it's like there's no context you know and that's then you can manipulate people by feeding them a false reality you know and that's where we are right? there yeah
1: yeah well said I mean it's obvious that uh, power corrupts absolutely and those at the top Will want more power because it's an addiction, and uh, they will want immortality because that's if you're if you become godlike, you want to stick around as you hoard the resources. And uh, as Stalin said, one death is a tragedy, a million is a statistic. So as you control these swaths of people, ah, what's twenty million, you know, Russians here, six million Jews there. Ah, we'll throw some Ukrainians, you know, a hundred thousand Ukrainians, so we can make our points, so it becomes this uh this yeah they become godlike they become just like the archons are at the top and uh that's never gonna change that same as it ever was since this thing civilization came up uh so what do you think uh, adrian um any other thoughts on this or you want to talk about who are the archons uh is there a spiritual world to this what are your views on this
2: Yes, I think uh, there is Um, on the subject of what is the Archons. Well, Archons means authorities. Um, We have authorities in the form of kings and presidents, but we can see now they're mostly puppets. Um, And above them are the corporations. Uh, The corporations are now the dominant institutions in society. um, And they seek to take over from government. Uh, they're also a flawed institutional structure um, in that they have uh, separate uh, legal identity and unlimited liability. Um, and this almost creates like an egregore because they're actually legal persons. And the problem with them is that they can commit crimes in their own name and be prosecuted in their own name. And... Corporate officials and officers can hide behind the corporate veil. So they're serving something that has been actually diagnosed as psychopathic. And here again, I'm not speculating. Um, Robert Hare, who is a psychiatrist who did the Hare test for psychopathics, has diagnosed the corporation, that is to say the entity itself, not necessarily the people who are around or are working for it as a psychopathic entity
1: mm-hmm.
2: and be above that, you have uh, organizations or that control these corporations, namely uh, BlackRock, state street and Vanguard. They are called hedge funds and that's where the billionaires keep all their money and they have controlling interests in all corporations, uh, including all the media. So don't think for one minute that that does not influence the media output. Uh, It's all going to be in accordance with their agenda. And they're all speaking from the same song sheet now, which is the World Economic Forum song sheet, The Great Reset. You will own nothing and be happy. And uh, actually, BlackRock and others are working very hard in that direction, buying up all the real estate and driving up the prices so no one can afford it. So we'll all be renters What they have in mind for us is some combination, I think, of fascism, communism, and feudalism. So instead of sort of jumping from one thing to the next, they're actually going to combine it all in one and all controlled by high technology. And they think that that high technology will compensate for all the failures of the past, because in the past, communism didn't work because they had no price discovery mechanism. So they were always producing things that nobody wanted. Roads that went nowhere, as in China right now, cities that no one wants to live in. But they think that they're going to, with technology, know so much about you that they can send something to you and deliver it to you before you even order it. (laughs) And you'll want it and keep it. (laughs) And so that's kind of the world they have in mind. So then we get up to do the archons. Is there a spiritual component? I do recognize that. I do agree with that. Uh, I take the, you know, the Christian perspective. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the the rulers of the darkness of this world, wicked spirits in high places. And um, Gnosticism has its own mythology surrounding that. And maybe we could throw up that quote from uh, Secret Gospel of John. The Secret Gospel of John really elaborates on how the archons operate, how they, uh, their strategy, you might say. There's my book. Yes. Okay. Uh, the Secret John. There we are. John. Okay. So it says they sought to overpower humanity in its psychological and perceptual functions. So that tells us the avenue of attack, which is psychological and perceptual to make you perceive things which aren't actually there although they saw that human thinking was superior to theirs for indeed their delight is bitter and their beauty is depraved and their triumph is in deception leading astray for their own structure is without divinity. So looking at the last bit there, their own structure is without divinity. Uh, They lack this quality of divinity. Uh, We have it according to the secret gospel of John. uh, It's, the creative, imaginative function, the light which was in the ion Sophia, which we inherited. Uh, They, the Demiurge is the chief Archon. The Archons were responsible for the creation of the world, uh, creating it, uh, weaving into it their own flawed nature. And now Sophia is trapped within this as as we are, and we're finding our way out of it. The the divine light that was in the Demiurge to begin with, the mythology says, left him. So now they are uh, parasiting in nature because we have something that they want, an energy. Uh, This creative, imaginative function is something they don't have. So they need to enlist us to enroll us in what they want to accomplish. We are actually the ones that are doing it for them because collectively that energy flows to them and they are able to meet their goals. That's why we as individuals want to avoid fundamentalist belief systems, because you are in fact giving all your energy to for purposes that are not your own purposes, they're somebody else's purposes. And I wanted to focus on this thing, Anti-Maimon numa. That means counterfeiting spirit. It means when you look at them, you don't know whether you're looking at the real thing or not. So the next question is, how do you know you're looking at the right thing or not? Mm-hmm. Uh, Anti-Mimon has a special meaning. It means counter-mimicry. So when they mimic something, they invert the values of whatever it is they're mimicking. And I've used the example of Constantine adopting Christianity as the official religion. Uh, In adopting it as the official religion, he inverts, or the empire inverts, their values of Christianity. So the Prince of Peace becomes an instrument of conquest, which is an upside down look at Christianity. And I've looked at that throughout uh, all of the different manifestations of fundamentalism through the ages. Um, and this holds true. I've identified, uh, for example, that the woke, ideology, I think, has been adopted as the official religion of the globalist empire. Its values are equity, diversity and inclusion, which on their own are worthy ambitions or worthy values. But in practice, they are an inversion. So equity stands for inequality preach anti-racism while practicing it. Um, Diversity means uniformity, uniformity of thought, uh, uniformity of belief. Uh, There's no variation there. It's it's the same thing, you know, wherever you go in the world. Uh, And the last one is inclusion. Well, they've inverted the values, say, of Martin Luther King, which was uh, desegregation. Uh, Race doesn't matter. Uh, now we're returning to segregation, and race is everything. So that's just another example of the anti Maimon Numa and the adopting the religion gives it a pious face, which gives it authenticity, and people don't recognize it because it's a counterfeit. And uh they tend to accept things which normally they would not accept because they have somehow bought into this virtue signaling psyop. And therefore, some of the most outrageous things can slip through. Like in the case of Christianity, massacring the Cathars, you know, somehow there's a kind of a cognitive dissonance that takes over. It's like, you see that they see this and they think this has got to be wrong. So somehow it sort of gets blocked out or forgotten. And then there's the aspect of the simulation. That's very interesting. Um, That they can create virtual reality simulations. That's called HAL in the Coptic. And um, John Lamb Lash in the interview Mm -hmm. referred to that. And... Uh, uh, who am I thinking about now? Uh, thinking about Jacques Vallee,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and he said something similar about this, and it was that they uh, can pro- they might be able to use some technology to project an image into someone's mind, and the creative capacity of the mind can actually create the scenario that they are transmitting similar to the ability of the Tibetans to create a tulpa. Mm -hmm, That was was his concept. Jacques Vallée is very interesting. I think he's very Gnostic because he looks at the whole UFO phenomenon and he, he accepts as real, the phenomenon because he's collected a huge database over the years but he doesn't jump to any conclusions about what it is. And so this is just one other thing that he's been looking at and considering. So there's the extraterrestrial hypothesis that the, the ultra terrestrial hypothesis, mm-hmm. the interdimensional hypothesis. Uh, personally, it's possible all of them could have some truth because no single explanation fits the data, all the data. So it's possible there could be multiple scenarios. And there's a little quote there from the first Apocalypse of James. Um, they will take away souls by theft, which sounds a lot like alien abductions.
1: Mm. Very spot on on what the archons are doing or some certainly some of their their modus operandi whether it was two thousand years ago or today they're not going to change because it works this stuff works and what comes out of it works. what do you think Vince? do you have a comment or a question for adrian
4: yeah um you know they brought up the um subject of uh, good and evil toward the end of the documentary and um my uh, i'm interested in what you have to say uh adrian but uh Uh, I would like to say that I never bought into the fact, well, there's no good, there is no evil, blah, 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 blah. I mean, it's pretty easy, like, even if it's kind of relative, anything that causes you to come to harm or degrades your life is evil to you, you know? Yeah, um, and 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 vice versa, anything that sustains life, helps life, makes you more healthy, that's good, right? And then you could generalize that. Um, so and I think that's pretty much the point of view that uh, he, um, uh, you know, Sean was trying to say, especially I, I loved his coverage of Anton LaVey because this is what my opinion of Anton LaVey and the Satanists and the, oh, Michael, uh, know. Aquino, Queen, you know. all of this i mean that that is exactly the satanists are just interested in their own well being and damn everybody else if they have to run over you to get what they want that's pretty much at least that kind of quote-unquote satanist but I mean, we've dealt with a lot of other concepts of satanism like you know the satan the lucifer who's lucifer uh luciferianism or whatever that's you can re- interpret that the other way, right? The light bringer and helping and so forth. And they did bring a little bit of that, Michael Aquino, and the Temple of Set, all that stuff. But to me, any organization that is like exclusive and this goes back to all the archons and the rulers, right? The in crowd and the out crowd, you know, what's good for us and you could look at it as an egregore, right? Anything like Temple of Set, whatever, Um, anything that's good for the organization, you know, that's okay, but we can run roughshod over everyone else. I mean, with respect to everyone else, they're evil, right? (laughs) They're good for themselves, but they're evil for everybody else. So uh, what do you think, Adrian?
2: I'm in the camp that treats good and evil very seriously, that there is such a thing as good and evil. Um, But it runs through the middle of each and every human being, as opposed to if it is outside my ideology, those people are evil. If it's inside my ideology, that is the good. So, and a lot of what we're seeing with um, the virtue signaling, the denunciations, condemnations. This person is evil. He's over here. He's on the other side of the world. All the evil is over there. Well, let's let's take a look at some of the evil that's here. Okay, so. Um, it's called projection. If you don't accept the evil that is within you, you will tend to look and condemn others and project it outwards. So yes, it's a very real concept. and But we have to deal with it on the individual level, slay the dragon individually. And once again, this comes back to the whole idea of overpowering humanity and its psychological and perceptual functions that if we... Uh, Except that all other people are evil, then we will be looking outside ourselves and we will be perpetuating evil. And this comes into some of the solutions, I think, that we need to apply to what's happening in the world and adjusting our strategy to make things better rather than worse. But yes, I accept it and I I take it very seriously.
4: Yeah. Yeah. There's, the, uh, there's the, also the question of, um, let, let's say, take Temple of Set as an example. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is it evil to turn your back on them? Say, hey, I don't want to have anything to do with these people. And if you know somebody that's in that organization, just like avoiding them and so forth. Not, you know, of course, taking positive action to harm them. But, uh, of course, then they could say, well, you, you didn't sell this to me. So, uh, you know, like. Temple of Set guy comes in somebody's store and says, "I I know know you're in this Temple of Set and I don't, you know, I think you're a dangerous person, so I'm not going to sell you this donut." (laughs) Well, you well you're you're harming me because I wanted a donut. (laughs) That's kind of that, and it's a little bit like what the world is doing to Russia, right? With all the sanctions and the possession of the super yachts and so forth. So um, that's kind of interesting. It's almost like a self-defense thing. You're not directly hurting them, but by uh, choosing not to interact with them, you're sending them a message, and you're, you know, declaring your own sovereignty. But what do you think?
2: Yes, well, they're actually not punishing Russia. Uh, they're, it's actually contributing to the decline of the American Empire and the end of the dollar as a reserve currency. Uh, all of the disaster seems to be stacking up on the on our side of the equation. Yeah, I noticed that. And uh, because of uh, an arrogance, um, not seeing a lot of the facts which a documentary-style investigation would reveal, uh, we're not hearing another side. Uh, We're not hearing about other invasions which have been going on for years, other genocides which are being financed by the West or ignored by the West because we're providing all the weapons from the military industrial complex. I'm speaking of Yemen, for example. And um, a lot of invasions have happened as a lot of atrocities have happened uh, and are happening. And in the eight years prior to the Russian invasion, there was shellings of uh, Russian Civilians in a particular region of Ukraine called the Donbass area, mostly ethnic Russians. So these things do not justify invasions or wars, but they provide some context for it and kind of explode the myth that all evil resides on the other side of the the far side of the world, you know, in our own backyard. and, And similarly, a lot of the evil that we suppress within ourselves, once it's recognized, then it's controlled, then you can control it. But that's the that's the power of the archons is that they keep the thing hidden from you. You can't do anything about it. But as soon as it's revealed that you control it, it doesn't control you. Mm. Because you're then conscious of it. So these kinds of uh, mind control programs, primarily arriving via the tube, uh, sort of set up that evil is outside me scenario, or evil is that which is outside my belief system. So if you're outside my belief system, then you're in outer darkness and you're evil. If you're inside, you're good. It's like there's a parable in the New Testament about a field where a farmer sows wheat in the field. And the, the... and the weeds grow up or the tares grow up and intertwine around the stalks of wheat. And you can't pull up the wheat without pulling up, pulling up the weeds also. So it's not as though there's one field over here with nothing but good wheat in it. And over there, nothing but weeds. You know, it just doesn't work like that.
1: Well said. And for uh, yeah. the audience, uh, there's a lot so much more in... Um, adrian's book a prison for your mind and adrian uh, we did an interview which sh- you should check it out and uh, again early 2020 adrian it was once a fundamentalist minister he's been in corporate america he's traveled uh, the country to spiritual and other places so he's definitely made the rounds in this uh, tortured world and this Kenoma, and this simulation and a quick question adrian you talked about there was a uh psychologist who uh, was able to connect, uh, well, able to describe corporations as psychotic. What was his name again? Just for the Robert audience. Hare. Robert Hare. Hare, like a uh, hair?
2: H-A-R-E.
1: H-A-R-E, okay. And
2: he developed the hair test for identifying psychopaths. So hmm. it's used by clinicians to diagnose so it's in my chapter on the corporation, just called the
1: corporation. I better not take it after this interview. I don't want to know the answer. I guess yeah. if I'm psycho- if I'm a psychopath, I wouldn't care, right? I would <laughs> no, be fine with being a- <laughs> Yeah, being a psychopath, I guess okay. So yeah. it could be a moment of truth. Uh do you want to look at some of the other slides, Adrian?
2: Yeah, let's take a look at manufacturing consent because that's gonna to go to the first part. They, you know, they um attack Mm -hmm. human beings on the psychological, perceptual level. Um, So I use as an example, uh, there's a uh, Noam Chomsky was a, a leading intellectual. He's still alive, but back in the 70s, he described the mass media as a system supportive propaganda system. And he uses as an example, the invasion of East Timor, by Suharto, the dictator, which was backed by uh, President Ford, who was a Republican at the time, and they financed it, and they they invaded uh, East Timor, a lot of agrarian people who wanted to be independent and live in independent, sort of left-wing, libertarian style of existence. East Timor as an as an independent country was expected to not vote with the United States uh, at the time in the United Nations so they gave a green light to Suharto to do what he had to do basically to bring it to an end and it was a horrible genocide and at the time video cameras were just starting to be a big thing and a lot of this stuff was captured on videotape people herded into buildings and set on and the buildings set on fire this kind of horrible stuff was happening. So Noam Chomsky did a study measuring the coverage of uh, genocides by evil dictators that the administration liked versus genocides by evil dictators that they uh, were opposed to. And the difference was just enormous. So something shows up on page one. It's when an adversary's evil dictator goes crazy Something like East Tibor, which was horrific, gets tiny coverage back. So that's how brainwashing works. Gather all the evidence that's possible for your argument and ignore the rest, or censor the rest, or don't cover it. So it's what they don't tell you is a lot of how they get you. So that was Gnome's. Take, but is there any reason to believe that that shouldn't be going on today? You no, know?
1: <laughs> nah, they, they got know. their act together. We're, <laughs> oh, we're no, they in line. they, no, learned, their they yeah. learned their lesson. They learned their lesson.
2: So then I'm, I would go on to uh, I, this, also covers the idea that they'll tell you ahead of time mm-hmm. what they're going to do.
1: And there you have it. Oh, you shining, crazy diamonds. The first part of our interview with Adrian Smith. And you got the full interview with Sean Stone. So again, please uh, become a Red Circle subscriber or Patreon at Patreon or AB Prime member for Adrian's full interview, both in video and in audio. Uh, um, Again, uh, what you'll hear from Adrian is just incredible as we really delve into Gnostic cosmology, Gnostic texts, and Gnostic eternal insights. So check it out. And uh, again, this is the end for non-subscribers. Thanks for being here. And for subscribers let us continue on this dark odyssey through the gnashing rocks of orthodoxy all the way to the shores of imagination. Thank you.
0: At Parker, our purpose is simple.